so interesting to me how many law firm owners that I talk with that are still 100% reliant upon referrals. And I get the reasons why referrals tend to be relatively cheap. It's the way that your boss got cases, etc. The problem for me is technology has advanced. And I'm not even saying that from the standpoint of you need to advertise and have billboards and social media ads, whatever. But there's ways to utilize that technology to get even more referrals and even better referrals. And that's what I'm talking with Thane Brown today. Um, we're talking about old school meets new school, three ways to get more referrals. So before we dive into that, Thane, tell me a little bit about yourself. Uh, so I'm Thane, Thane Brown. Uh, I am a musician, uh, record producer, and the director of CRM and automations at Legalese Marketing. So uh, a lot of different, a lot of different aspects that I've gotten to deal with this problem, actually. So obviously, full disclosure, Tane and I work at the same business. So obviously, we're biased <laughs> and like each other, yada, yada, yada. Um, so tell me a little bit more about the musician stuff, because you're way underselling your abilities there. Uh, so yeah, uh, been a musician for a really long time, been working, working a lot. Uh, last year was actually a really great year for me. Uh, I got my first Grammy consideration. Uh, so uh, the way it works is there's like this ballot that you get put onto where everybody from the Academy votes on certain things like song of the year, album of the year. Uh, and so I was actually included in the voting for song of the year for the 2023 Grammys. But a lot of that has to do with um, who you know. And so that's really great for you know what we're talking about today. But to be fair, there are like multiple rounds of voting and you made it to the last vote before the Grammy nominees <laughs> come out. Right, right. Yeah. So there's about three rounds of voting before your, you know, before your like asset becomes a nomination, right? So your song or your album or your video, there's like these three rounds of voting before it actually becomes uh, a nominated thing in one of the categories. And so we made it two or three rounds. Uh, and then, you know, we didn't get the nomination, but song of the year is a very tough category. So we're always trying for the next year. There we go. And it's, it's so interesting to me. So like those of you that know Thane from the Lawmatics group, from being our clients, obviously he's running our CRM department, but it's fascinating to me how you draw these parallels between like the music and like the production of the music into the creation of these CRMs. So can you mm -hmm. like explain that to me a little bit more? Yeah. I mean, honestly, when we're talking about running businesses, none of these things are really all that different, right? Like it's all about getting leads and communicating properly with leads and making sure that our product or service are communicated through email or a text message or just general communication. So as far as the industry, whether it be music or law or health, I don't think that there's two, I don't think there's a lot of differences as far as what you can be using your CRM for. I mean, when you boil it down to it being, you know, whether I, the record producer, are trying to attract artists, you know, to buy songs for me so that we can create them and put them on the marketplace, or, you know, you as a lawyer are trying to attract clients so you can, you know, write wills for them, defend them in court, uh, you know, any, you know, any one of those type of things. Uh, I think that CRMs can help with no matter what we're trying to do in that field. Well, and it's so funny to hear you talk about like, all right, booking studio time being the same as law firms booking consultation time. Like it's just, it's. But it's hilarious. exactly the same. Yeah, no, it's I. exactly the same. I get it. It, make, it makes sense when you explain it, but like being that kid that took like 10 guitar lessons and then, you know, played bass in a garage band for a year, which basically just meant we drank and smoked weed. Um, <laughs> you know, like that's, it's, it's a different concept from, you know, my, my experience. Hey, when you start building professional, uh, you know, foundations for things, everything is going to start getting really alike. Makes total sense. All right. So mm -hmm. the three things we're going to talk about here. So ways to use technology to get more referrals. We're going to talk about using your CRM for relationship building. We're going to talk about using social media to build your personal brand, even if that's just with referral sources. This does not need to be you dancing on TikTok to find new clients. This can be sharing a story for your ideal referral sources. And then lastly, I'm gonna talk a little bit about some of the advertising that we've done targeting um, referral sources rather than targeting direct business. So I know we call it our true CRM system. We're not gonna dive terribly deep into our specific system, but sort of give me the outline of what we're talking about here from utilizing a CRM to 
to build and maintain referral sources? Well, I, and, and what's great, what's kind of different about it is I don't even want to call them as, I don't even want to recall that, call them like referral sources. I would prefer to call them just, you know, contacts, just people that we're trying to build relationships with in general, because you don't necessarily want to build relationships with somebody because they're a referral source. Maybe that's a reason why, but you typically want to generally like them as a person too. Um, so, uh, where ways that we, that we can really talk about using technology and, and leveraging some of the, uh, technology that we have to create kind of like facilitate those relationships is we can start collecting information about these people outside of how they can help us. So it's like information about, you know, what they like to do, who they are, uh, where they went to school, um, you know, if they have kids, if they're married or not. So for me specifically uh, in music, one thing that I use a CRM for is grouping all of the artists that I work with into uh, categories by kind of like who they sound like. So if I'm working with somebody that has, you know, I don't know, like a Michael Jackson sound, I have a tag for Michael Jackson that I add to this person's account. And so that if I ever make a record that sounds like Michael Jackson or, you know, has a feel of, you know, Quincy Jones strings or something like that, I know that this is a record, you know, when I'm looking through my CRM, I know that this is a record that I could send that person you know, because these are the kind of records that they like. And so, um, you know, using it to really classify and group the, our contacts so we can have better information about them to know what we want to even talk to them about uh, is definitely one of the best ways that I think we can be leveraging our technology uh, to, you know, help, you know, build these better relationships. So, I mean, I want to, I want to go back for a second, a thousand percent sure. agree in terms of finding referral sources genuinely like, because that will make mm -hmm. you excited to hang out with them. It will make you show up in the right frame of mind. It will make you more open and engage with them while you're actually having the conversation. You know, if, if you force yourself to hang out with somebody because you think they'll send you a bunch of work, then you end up sort of dreading it and tanking it in a bunch of other ways. Mm -hmm. um, all right. So then I want to go back to you towards the end of it. You're talking about like the, the Michael Jackson sound. So from a law firm owner standpoint, we're talking about what grouping by like our referral sources, different practice areas, grouping by our referral sources who like sports, grouping by our referral sources who have kids or are married, all those things, any of those things, not those all things, of them, all of them, all, okay. of them, all of them, like anything that you feel like you can add to the system that'll allow you to connect with a person. And so I, I like to think of it as the standpoint of like me, like who, who am I? Like what information do I like to communicate about? I really like basketball and I really love the Orlando magic. You don't have to love the Orlando magic for me to talk to you, but if you love basketball, it's going to be really great for us to have a conversation, whether or not you hate my basketball team. Cause you probably do. You probably think that they suck and you're not a hundred percent wrong, but we can, that's a conversation that we can have now that I know that you're a basketball fan or, you know, you like the Kings or something, which, you know, I would be making fun of you right back. There we go. And, <laughs> and for those of you who may, Thane is a man of many talents, um, in addition to the music stuff, in addition to the CRM stuff, is so good at NBA 2K that he doesn't understand why the Magic are the worst team in the league because of how good he is with the 2K Magic team. I win um, a that, lot of games. <laughs> that being, well, the magic don't, man. That being said, <laughs> Sunday night, I was at the game. We, uh, they won. They beat Toronto. Hey, what a game was that? And did you, I don't know if you watched on, uh, I think it was uh, Tuesday or Wednesday night where they actually broke, they actually uh, broke the record for the most points scored in a quarter. They scored, they had a 50 point first quarter. So Whoa. we're making the right moves. I trust, I trust the, I trust the front office and the coach. There we go. Uh, well, uh, this will be one of those things we play back in four years and see if this was Thane calling a shot or the most ridiculous thing on the internet. One, one of the two. No, but, Championship but by 2030. Uh, yeah, when, when the majority of the Magic players at that point will be 25 or 26 <laughs> in eight years. No, but I mean, look, right. I, it's funny to me, like we're talking about collecting this info and I just want to put the fine point on this. Like, this is not um, this is not like a hack or a trick. 
this is remembering enough about that person in one place so that when you sit down to have lunch with them, you're not asking them about a kid they don't have. You're not, you know, referencing a conversation that wasn't about them. You know, you're really mm-hmm. trying to focus that conversation and show that you care enough because you do care enough to keep this information, but organizing it in a way where it's easy to jump on. Right. So when you're working with clients to build out this type of system, what questions are you asking them to figure out what data points we want to make sure are hardwired into their system? Well, uh, so we're working with a lot of lawyers uh, and we are working with, um, you know, a lot of people that are doing, um, you know, talking to other professionals. So one of the biggest questions that you can ask uh, based on knowing that information is uh, where you went to school, right? So like, where did you go to college? Did you do post, do you have a postgraduate degree? Where did you get your postgraduate degree from? Where did you get your undergraduate degree from? And I just find that in dealing with a lot of um, professionals, there's a lot of school spirit around, Uh, you know, there's a lot of people who are really proud of their schools. And when we're talking about building relationships, uh, you know, we're really talking about not, not, not like not getting the business information, but doing more than just getting the business information. And I've always found that when we ask questions about, you know, like, where are you from? Where'd you grow up? You know, what things do you really have an affinity for? Uh, you can create a lot better connections that way if you have something in common. You know, so like if I'm at, if I'm talking to you, Jordan, and you tell me, you know, I ask you a question like, so, you know, where'd you go to high school or where are you from? And you tell me, oh, I'm from the South Florida area. I can easily come back and say, oh, my gosh, I'm from the South Florida area, too. What area are you from? Oh, I'm from, you know, I'm from the, the Palm Beach area. Oh, I'm from the Broward area. And we both don't like the Miami area. Right. No, I'm just kidding. But, you know, you can start. Uh, really making connections that way with things that I think matter more to people before you start talking about the business stuff. Even before interest, I think one of the things that people really respond to are, uh, you know, where you're from, uh, who do you know, you know, who do you, who might we know from a life that isn't a part of this professional part. I really feel like that really, like information like that uh, between people really tether spots. And, and you know why? You know where that comes from? Where does that come from? It's the shared experience. The shared we experience. Can, we can both sit here and be like, La Spada subs, phenomenal in South Florida. <laughs> right, the, uh, right. The shared experience of having one. And that's why, that's why right. like the lowest hanging fruit is the weather because we all experience the weather. Well, you know, I, I was soaking wet when I got back from lunch today and anybody else out in Orlando at that time had the same experience. Yes, Orlando's was crazy today. Very, very muggy, very rainy. Um, and so to take this step further, so we've got where they went to school for undergrad, for law school, et cetera. So what do you do with that information? Like we are in Orlando. So if they are from an area that has a basketball team, they're going to come play the magic every year. But from mm-hmm. a school perspective, we've got th- at least three, maybe four bowl games in Orlando. So I know like um, LSU plays Purdue, FSU plays Oklahoma, and then two ranked teams play. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't remember who they are. But like, if you know, they went to that school, it's a really easy opportunity to be like, hey, do you want to come with me to the game to see your school play here? You know, do you want to do those things? But like you can, you can work that information into a more targeted experience. It's also great because like, I had magic season tickets. And it was, mm. it, it wasn't necessarily tough to give every game away. But there were certain games where just like, who do I want to bring to, you know, I have got a hundred people that I can bring to this game, as opposed to like knowing somebody was from Charlotte, it's easy to bring them to the Hornets game, knowing somebody, Mm -hmm. you know, moved here from Minnesota, easy to bring to the Timberwolves game, like those things made it easier to line up specific games with specific people instead of just being like, oh, another, you know, four more tickets to find people to come with me to the game with. And there are plenty of, and, and uh, staying on like the kind of game route, there are plenty of people who aren't fans of teams and are fans of players, right? And so even capturing that information, knowing that, you know, for instance, Jalen Brunson just became a New York Nick after years of being a Dallas Maverick, right? So knowing that, you know, you talk to somebody and they said, oh, Jalen Brunson's my favorite player. You know, when that trade happens in the summer, you can easily, you know, go into your CRM and be like, oh my gosh, you know, did you see that trade that happened with, with your favorite player? 
you want to come to a Knicks game with me? The you know when they come in, it's going to be their first time playing the Magic, and so like there are some there are things like that you can do, and then you don't you don't just have to stick to sports. Uh, you can do actors, uh, movies, favorite restaurants are things that you could do where, you know, if you have my birthday and you know that I love Tartini, this rest, this Italian restaurant in Orlando, you know that on April 15th, my birthday, uh, you can send out oh, a day. gift card. I'm a tax day baby. Uh, you can send out a gift card for Tartini. Uh, and know that I will receive that and love it because you know my birthday and you know my favorite restaurant. And so, you know, there are so many things that you can do just by collecting the correct information. And I love getting this info for the whole family. So, you mm-hmm. know, when when Blippy Live is in town, knowing in your CRM who else has kids in the three to five-year-old range that might be interested you know, knowing yep. who, what about their spouse? You know, if you know their spouse's favorite restaurant and you do a double date there, you're going to set so much of a better impact remembering the whole family, bringing, including the whole family in it, building those relationships on, uh, you know, multiple levels, multiple ties become super impactful. Exactly, exactly. What I'm curious from, you know, from the number of clients you've worked with, are there like one or two, I want to call them questions, but like facts about people that some clients have, wanted to save that you thought were really interesting that we didn't Hmm. think of before you mean like specific facts or like questions that we've asked uh that they've added that we want to see that you know other people might want to know right that part so like specific facts that they were saving about some referral sources that you thought really interesting that were Hmm. uh, unique so uh i know that one of them that i've always liked is favorite coffee and it just goes along the lines of you know you you know favorite book favorite player it's it's for the same reason but it's so micro uh i think that's why i like it a little bit more it's a little more micro it's something every day uh that you can do you know if it's it costs less than ten dollars to send someone a coffee you know? And so I like those kind of smaller ideas uh, that you, you know, that you can um, collect from people. One thing that I've been thinking, because it's Wait, hold such on. Before like you, a, before oh, you jump on, save that, because um, mm-hmm. I love that you mentioned coffee, because for law firm owners, I want you to think about coffee in two different directions, because you can also save this information on clients. So if you have a client who came in for a strategy session for estate planning, and they're coming back for their signing meeting, and you can be like, oh, you know, a uh, dark roast cream, two sugars, you know, same as last time. That's such an interesting thing to, you know, save in there for that person. Um, you know, mind you with COVID, we've had like four clients in our office in three years, but <laughs> one of them, we had the order down and like the look on their face was priceless on. Yeah, that is my coffee order. We're like, yeah, you asked for it last time. And they're like, oh my God, this is so nice. What an extra little I thing. I can only... And see, it's so micro. It's not nearly as big as, you know, come to the sports game with me. Here's a gift card for your wife's favorite restaurant. It's way more micro than that. But I feel like possibly could have a bigger impact because that's not something that everyone's expecting you to remember, especially after only one or two interactions. All right. So now I cut you off to, to go deeper on the coffee thing. You had another one you wanted to talk about. Yeah, it's, it's not as... Um, it's not probably as great because you can't do a ton with this information. It's really a, a conversation starter. Uh, but I know in my world, something that's incredibly polarizing is Mac versus PC. You know, um, again, not anything that you could really do a ton with the information. Like you're probably not going to buy somebody a, a Mac computer, but it's a great conversation starter with all of the things, with how often those two uh, companies compete being Microsoft and Apple. Um, awesome conversation starter. There were commercials that were made about it that were popular I'm, I'm in the, in the mid 2000s. Exactly. And so uh, that's just another interesting question uh, that you can ask that is more of a conversation starter. Can't really do a ton with the information, but it's just really fun to talk about uh, if there, if your conversation is hit a lull or you know, you, you're not really sure of where to go next. Well, see, so I some that, of those questions for you. You say that, but then um, we had Victor Medina on. So Victor runs the MacTrack Legal Conference because mm. 10 years ago, there were so few Mac, you know, lawyers using Mac that 
Victor consolidated as many of them as possible into a, a pretty fun conference. Um, also from our perspective, you know, you've got like Smokeball and uh, yep. some other software that requires a specific, you know, isn't cloud-based requires a specific platform to run on. That's so true it would too. limit, it would, it would change some of the recommendations for some specific options. For sure. So yeah, I mean, there's a ton of great reasons to ask all types of questions, but yeah, that's, that's one of the more interesting ones that I've seen for sure. All right. So I want to jump over to social media, using social media to push your personal brand, stay top of mind with referral mm -hmm. sources. But before that, anything else we want to talk about from the CRM standpoint? Uh, not really. I mean, I just want to make sure that everyone's aware, like these are stuff that we can always talk about. If you have any questions, feel free to shoot us an email, bounce questions off of us. We'd be glad to have a chat about any of the CRM stuff. Uh, I do love it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so there's one thing I wanted to add. Because um, mm -hmm. the other thing is, so we're not just talking about saving information. We're talking about you staying top of mind with them. So setting, you know, so a lot of the things that we've done, um, if any of you got my, well, the newsletter will go out tomorrow, but by the time you're watching this episode, it will come out several weeks ago. Uh, I read about, you know, us generating 120 more referrals from my law firm. And one of the big things is how often I reach out to referral sources. So building something in here is not just having the right information, but it's reminding you, okay, you haven't seen so-and-so in 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, whatever the timeline is. Okay, you haven't gone to lunch with this person in a while. You know, here's a reminder, you know, to check in on whomever. Um, so doing that in both directions allows you to uh, limit people falling through the cracks. I mean, I, I think that sounds more dismissive than I mean it. Like, you know, you can always, you can always reach out to somebody more, but sometimes you don't realize how long it's been since you last hung out with somebody, but for the reminder. Right. Right. It's, it's, it's just a way of helping. Uh, and, and so we have used, we've done this in two ways, right? Like we've done this in a way where you can remind yourself to reach out to somebody. And we've also done this in a way where automatically we email somebody that we want to talk to every 30 days. So like, you know, you can do it either way, but I, yeah, like, like you're saying, staying top of mind is definitely the goal there. All right, so now I want to move over into social media because I get a ton of pushback on I'm only referral based. I've been and I've gotten all 100% referrals for so long. You know, what do I need to be on social media for? And I always go back to people I'm like, well, how many of your referral sources are on social media? You know, yes, yes, if you are a financial advisor or an estate planning attorney who works with a bunch of financial advisors and people in their 60s who are worth five million dollars or more, maybe they're not on TikTok. But they're on LinkedIn or they're on Facebook or they're on, you know, multiple ones. Um, and so, you know, walk me through some of the stuff. I know this isn't what you do necessarily directly work-wise because it's outside the CRM department, but walk me through some of the stuff that you do to build relationships with people through social. So uh, personally, I'm, I, I'm a really big fan of social media. Um, I've, what I found in the last couple of years has been really great. is just asking kind of open-ended questions. And asking those questions and eliciting responses. And a lot of people take this to be like polarizing things, but they don't necessarily have to be. Um, you know, they can just be open-ended questions that are asked, getting people's feelings on things and just, just anything that encourages somebody to participate and give their opinion. Uh, that has been working very well for me throughout social media for years now. Um, it, it really enhances engagement. And then what I make sure that I do uh, in those situations for the people that do respond, uh, because like, so for instance, on Facebook, I have like 2000 followers, but if I post something, you know, there's a chance that maybe like a hundred people like it, 50, 60, uh, 30 to a hundred people uh, like it and comment. And what I like to make sure I do is respond to as many comments as possible, making sure, you know, making sure that they know I've seen your comment. I appreciate your comment and here's my response to it. And just that alone can ensure that you get engagement on the next post and the next post and the next post. And then as we know how these algorithms are built, the more people that engage with your posts are the more people that spread your post, right? And so as we increase the engagement by, you know, fostering it really, uh, we can see our pages grow exponentially there when we're not even talking about, you know, come in for a consultation, <laughs> you know, cool. we're not even talking about a call to action that way. We're really just talking about awareness. 
I mean, Thane, let's take what you just said with what you said two questions ago. You know, you could post like, what's your favorite ice cream flavor? And then for anybody who's already in your, you know, referral system and they answer the question, you can punch in the answer. And then, you know, when it comes time to Valentine's Day, send sweet treats, you know, you can send them something from this or you can buy them, you know, a specific tub of ice cream and run it over. The, maybe yeah. ice cream is a bad example because it wouldn't melt, but like cookies, what's your favorite <laughs> type of cookie? And you can send right. them, you know, chocolate chip versus oatmeal raisin versus, well, oatmeal raisins for crazy people, but you know, whatever. Snickerdoodles. Those are my favorite. Yeah. And again, Snick- my birthday is April 15th. <laughs> Snickerdoodles and tartini. It's, uh, it's I'm, I'm going to put that in the Thames thing on my uh, CRM right now. Exactly. If any, if anybody's using CRMs to manage their contacts, you're more than welcome to add me as a contact. And my favorite cookies are Snickerdoodles. And my favorite restaurant is Tartini in Orlando. I accept all gift cards. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> the um no but i mean like look these things add up right like if you're asking and you can do this you know favorite uh tv show that's on favorite book um mm-hmm. what's the biggest struggle your company's having currently and then you know you'll get some people you're close with that will have a, a thing that you're going through whether you just solved it whether you have the same issue whether you're not even at that point yet you can build a relationship you can follow up off of some of those answers in a way that is genuine in a way that is authentic in a way that is truly designed to try and show the person that you actually genuinely care about them. And I love that you just said that because I think what I have focused a lot of our conversation on is talking about um, uh, base level interaction, you know, base level facts about a person. Where'd you grow up? What's your favorite book? What's your favorite movie, right? Favorite sport, favorite basketball player. But I like that you're like, you just touched on, you can really go deeper as your relationship with a person grows right? You can ask different types of questions as, you know, let's say you, you know, you rank your contacts by, you know, A through F, you know, this is a D level contact because I don't relate to them as much as I would an A level contact. And so maybe there are questions that you ask C and D level contacts so that as you get the answers to those questions, they kind of become B and A level contacts. Like that's the way they come your B and A level contacts because, now you understand what fears them, you know, what, what they're scared of. You understand what motivates them, what drives them. And as you understand kind of like, a, like this person on a deeper level, they become like a different kind of contact to you. And so like there's, uh, there's, there's even ways that you can build this out to do those kind of things. And you can also do this from a positive standpoint. Like, look, this may be crazy to any of you. I'm aware that I don't know everything by any means. <laughs> So a lot of times I'll ask them these questions and like, look, if, you know, as, as much as I focus on referrals, I have a ton of people in my network that are way better referral people than I will ever be in any way, shape or form, you know, Stacey Brown Randall, who teaches it to people and then just all the way to, you know, other lawyers in town that just have that magic air about them every time. So it's really cool for those, you know, in those situations, sometimes to ask like, Hey, what's the what's the coolest thing that you did to get more referrals from somebody? Or what's your number one tip to somebody who wants more referrals? And you can utilize this really like meta conversation to build better relationships with people you want referrals from by getting their tips and tricks on referrals. And then you can utilize that back to them, to other people, to help more people, you know, with this stuff. It becomes really interesting. Yeah. It becomes super interesting. Like, just all the information you can collect and what you can do with it. Like it's all really, really interesting. Um, the, the levels that you could take this, the depth that you could take this to. What's your stance thing? Cause like this one is going to be a very, I think specific question for everybody or specific answer. What's your take on how many different audiences you can try to target from a social media standpoint? Mm, such a great question. Um, I don't I don't believe, are you asking me like, if I think that there's like a limit, like you should target like this number of them? Yeah. I mean, so like we always, we always talk about that ideal client avatar, right? And so from mm-hmm. a standpoint of like the audience on social media, how, how many different types of people should you be trying to connect with? Or we can talk about like how much time, money, energy you need to put into it to be able to try and target different audiences. 
I think that you need to target audiences until you found the ones that really mesh with you. Like there are, there's an ideal client, um, but there are other, I, th- I feel like there are many types of ideal clients that can fit your molds, right? Um, one of them is ideal for this reason. Another one is ideal for this reason. It really all becomes based on your product offering, right? And so segmenting your audience and continually trying to find, you know, the audience that is always engaging with your content. I I don't think that there's a limit on that. I think until you can properly identify, you know, my audience are males between the ages of 25 and 50 that like, you know, this, 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 and this, until you can do that without a shadow of a doubt and don't have any type of qualms about, you know, the people or, you know, you know, them or uh, how they respond to your content. I think you just keep trying. You keep trying until you can narrow that down is, is, you know, is my thought about it. I love that. And then you, and then you reward them. I think that that's another great. So uh, I, I, I did take a bunch of marketing classes at UCF. I have a mark. So one of the, one of the things that I always thought was great. Wait, you have a marketing degree? I do, yeah, from so University funny. of Central Florida. I do. So, so, so of everybody at Legalese, I think we have two people with marketing degrees, and both of you are in the CRM department. I do, yeah, and because I, I mean, when I went to school, it's what I really wanted to learn. Um, not, I just I like the data behind everything, and I think one of my favorite things that I learned about was the uh, the product life cycle. So. Uh, innovators, the early majority, the late majority, the laggards, and like finding out really that a lot of products and like a lot of services and uh, a lot of product life cycles like really follow this model. And so what I've always thought would be a great thing to do is for your innovators, like really rewarding them. So those people that responded to your initial asks, uh, they responded to all of your social media ads, uh, all of your social media posts in general. Like, I really think that you should be rewarding those people with things uh, because the innovators are typically the ones that are going to uh, spread your message further to the people that are really into the thing, you know? Uh, so I really think that you should be rewarding them and the early majority people to an extent to make sure that you're covering, you know, you're spreading your message the right way. And I think the beauty of, I mean, we're talking about this from a referral standpoint, even though it doesn't have to be hundred percent from a referral standpoint, but like when you've got those referral sources, having a podcast, you know, that you can have them on that you push out to the same audience that they're engaging with already, or, mm-hmm. you know, giving a post where you give them a shout out for something awesome that they did gives them the same exposure to a relatively similar audience, right? Like, I mean, I've got my local referral sources. We're all relatively local to Orlando from a law firm standpoint. You know, I, it could be a little bit different, but like we can work with people across the country, IP, immigration, you know, a lot of our fellow legal vendors can work with people across mm-hmm. the country. So giving them a shout out here and there becomes super helpful to help them grow as a thank you for what they did, whether that's sent us a case or, you know, referred us somebody, whether that's they put on a great presentation or training that we took a bunch of stuff from. Um, there's some really cool ways to go about it. For sure. Anybody that is responding to your content, should be rewarded. And the more that they are responding, the more that they should be rewarded, I feel. Well, and so along those lines, I think the one that we underplay, I know I do, um, not so much from the legally side, but certainly from the law firm side, clients, current clients or mm. former clients, like keeping that relationship going with them. We do a ton to, I mean, we get, at one point we were getting almost another case for every two cases. Now it's closer to about one for every three good few of our clients are getting in second accidents etc um so that's always a positive but it's amazing to me like you'll put this post out like here's a great um here's a testimonial that we got recently that sings the praises of so-and-so at our office so if you're looking for a personal injury attorney for your case you know don't you want a firm that's going to treat you this way it's always amazing to see like three to five clients comment on it like yeah, you know, Andrea's the best, Leonette's the best, Heather's the best. So true. This is exactly my experience too. It's so rewarding to get that stuff, not having that be written for them as, as prior clients because they knew they mm. got good service, but allowing them to chime in to give that extra little bump to the stuff that's more geared towards potential clients or geared towards referral sources that may not know right. whether or not we do a great job. You know, they know we have a good relationship, but they don't know that we do 
great work until they see it in this post and hear about it from other clients. And then when you see that comment, send them a pen, send them a package with a, with a pen, a cup and a squish ball. You know what I mean? Just let them know that it was seen and it was appreciated. And I really feel like that will, you know, I mean, that was for a post, you know, who knows if you send that and it's in the house, the next time somebody gets in an accident, they're just like, Oh, here's the, you know, look at this cup. Here's some water. These people can help, you know? Um, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, we've got the CRM design. So go in there, find out their favorite <laughs> coffee place, find out their favorite restaurant, send them a gift card to, you know, really make it personal and targeted. Right. Exactly. Exactly. That's, that's really what we're talking about. Right. So like if they, if you've captured that information and they leave that comment, oh my gosh, thanks for that comment. Here's $5 to Starbucks. I hope you enjoy your venti mocha frappe, you know, um, those kind of things are really going to set you apart from all of your competition, all of your competition. I mean, and look, I'm not, I'm not telling you to go on any new platforms. So you're not, you know, any new social platforms you're already on. And at most I'm telling you like one extra post a week, maybe two about, about work or about you in some way that touches on what you do. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's funny to me. I get funny is the wrong word, but like I follow a ton of personal injury attorneys across the whole country. And there's like the majority of them who are like, oh, I got this person, you know, a billion dollars for spilling hot coffee on themselves, like the McDonald's case. I'm so amazing. <laughs> and I'm always like, congratulations, well-deserved, great for the client, et cetera. But then there's that other section that's a, you know, a smaller group, but they always seem to kind of take this tact of like, here's some tips so you don't have to hire me or Here's the conversation I had, like my wife had to talk to a client or a not client because there was no money that was able to be found who has a kid who's paralyzed, but there was no insurance, you know, like going into some of those more like the, the downside of this, the, the, the dark, not the dark side, but like, you know, this isn't just giant billboards showing how many billions of dollars people got the the feedback, the response, the engagement on those more like personal I want to say negative posts, but ultimately they're more realistic posts is a hundred to one in relationship to the one that's like, Hey, look at me. We just got buku bucks for, you know, some client. You don't get the same, you don't seem to get the same connection out of it. Right. Right. Then I I think a lot of people like it when you admit that you're human. Um, I feel like, you know, a lot of people are really appreciative, really appreciative of that because you don't get it a ton, especially on social media. So that can definitely uh, help you out, you know, just, just humanizing everything about it, you know, <laughs> everything about the situation. Well, it's, you know, Brene Brown talks about the emotion that people share that makes us connect with them the most is their vulnerability. The emotion mm-hmm. that we share the least because we're afraid to is our vulnerability. And so like, there's a way to intersperse those. That being said, please, 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 I want you to share your vulnerability and share your true experiences for, for actual benefit of other people, I don't want you to like rip your heart out just so everybody responds to you. You know, like don't do this for the reaction, do this for the benefit, for sharing the story, for giving people some of the, the actual understanding of what you do on the day to day. And from that, you will get the right response and the right support as opposed to, you know, when you sound like you're asking for it. I feel like something that's, uh, what's the, is the word like disingenuous or ingenuous? I don't know. Something yeah. that's not genuine is really easy to read. Like it's, it's, it comes across easily when it's not genuine. We can see it. The people can understand it. Um, so that's why, yeah, you definitely want to keep it all genuine for sure. And look at, and that to me is the beauty of social media. You know, how often do you see somebody get attacked for something they posted on social media, you know, so long ago? And I don't say that that as the cool part, but when you are consistently the same person over and over again, you can do that same thing in the opposite direction. You know, like, oh my God, here mm-hmm. you are. You know, I always love when um, like Gary Vee and some of those big accounts will be like, hey, here's me 10 years ago talking about the future of whatever. And it's really great when they're like 80% they'll share what they're right about and 20% they'll share like, I thought Beanie Babies were going to be the biggest thing for so long. <laughs> like, it's always funny to see, you know, when they're willing to share some of the bad takes, um, it's great because it's out there, because it's been out there, because you hammered on it, because you talked about this so much. It's a really wonderful thing for people to understand that you are genuine and take you uh, seriously. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, because I mean, honestly, that's the com- that's more so the common experience, right? Is failure. Like, not a lot of people always strike it big or hit the big one, right? Most times, the, the common element is failure. So I feel like a lot of people can relate to it. Um, and if you never show your failures at some point, it's just it's like I said, it's going to come off disingenuous. Ooh, the common element is failure. Mm-hmm. I mean, of life, like of the plight of people. <laughs> like I, we're all like we all. I'm fail. not. I'm not willing. I'm not willing to agree to that. I'm not saying that you're wrong, but I do think that we. I do think that we post on social media in a way where we try to make everything into like a home run and a grand slam when ultimately yep. there are so many like singles and doubles that you, you string together to build a great life. And so I like think a that, lot of times, yeah. As opposed to failure, singles yeah. and doubles as opposed to grand hope, slams. Yeah, that makes I sense. Hope, I hope that's the case. I don't know. Like <laughs> it's, it's amazing. Now every app, right? Every app has to have a streak, right? Duolingo will tell me I'm, I've been doing Duolingo every day for 90 days. Uh, mm-hmm. Fitbit will tell me I've had 10,000 steps or more for whatever it is, 175 days in a row. Like everything has to have a streak. And so on social media, like either that streak is you posting consistently or share some of the stuff that you've done over and over again. You know, like I want to play disc golf in all 50 states. And so I talk about that. It is amazing how many people I know that are like, oh my God, I played disc golf. I didn't know you played. And then, you know, a lot of them we've gone to play. Um, I'm sure there are people that like look at that nerd playing disc golf and, you know, so be it. I'm okay with that. But like, yeah. I'm out there, you know, I'm, I'm sharing, I'm sharing me and I'd rather, I'd rather find people that like me the way that I am than try to change who I am to try and find people that don't like me the way I currently am. And knowing that makes you vulnerable and sharing that is sharing your vulnerability and it kind of all works back into what you said. Yes. Wait, <laughs> good, good summation right there. Um, is that like, Moving on to the next topic, but is there anything else you want to talk about from the standpoint of the social media, personal branding, staying top of mind with referral sources? Uh, no, I think I think we've covered a lot of it. But you know, like you know, like you're saying, uh, just making sure you're being genuine uh, and and making sure that you are actually doing what you can to foster these relationships and keep them going. Yeah, and I will. So I want to echo. I want to echo that from the standpoint of most. I don't even know what kind of scientists, most studies that talk about like sociology, the connection between people talk about, you can remember 150 to 200 people. That's the people you'd remember, you know, face to name, you'd remember enough about their birthday or ish on when it is. um, But that's about the number. And then there's like 50 Hmm. people that you can build a slightly better relationship with. Like you would say you're, you know, decent friends to good friends. And then it's like five people, like five I don't, I guess best friends wouldn't apply to five, but like a really close core group. Those are Mm. about how the numbers find, you know, give or take a couple here and there. And so it's Mm. really interesting to have, like, if you've got, you know, your five, uh, your personal advisory board, right? Like if I'm going to run a decision, I'm going to ask my parents, I'm going to ask my wife, I'm going to ask my best friend, I'm going to ask my mentor, you know, look at that as your five, your 50 become your consistent referral sources. They're in your true CRM. You're following up with that stuff. Your 150 are like the contacts you have on social media consistently, but not enough to make that 50 list. It's amazing to me how often you write to like the group of 50 to 150, and then you'll have some not random person, but like somebody who's who you would not recognize this these days, send you a case because they saw some post and something stayed yeah. top of mind. Like it's crazy to me to catch some of that low hanging fruit from, you know, you talked about having 2000 followers um, you know, some of those people you may have never met in person, or it's been years that yeah. one post though, could be enough for them to be like, Oh yeah, Thane does, you know, legal marketing, Thane does music stuff. Like this is a great connection to make. This is a great referral to send over. Yeah. And that has happened. So definitely something that you want to, uh, leverage is the right word. You know, yeah. you definitely want to leverage, leverage that, uh, and, and social media just makes it so easy. You got to make sure you're taking advantage of that. Yeah, we, um, I mean, honestly, like I literally in the last two weeks, so from the time you're hearing this, probably six to eight weeks, um, we got a referral for what could be our biggest case in Florida. It's always a question of like, what's going to be the insurance policy. But like, unfortunately, the damages are there for this to be the biggest one. Um, referred mm-hmm. to me by a fellow lawyer. We've met at a couple events. We've talked a couple of times. We may have even sent case back and forth here or there. It's something that they do. They have a conflict. They thought of us. You know, they thought of me as, as the person to go to on a case of something they do. It had to be through social media. Like we haven't had lunch in years. We haven't, you know, I haven't been in Orlando in 400 days. It had to be through some of that stuff. 
Um, And it's crazy to see, you know, where those things add up. All right. So last one we'll hit pretty quickly. We're going to talk about advertising from a referral standpoint. This one's a little outside of Thane's wheelhouse because we keep them focused on the CRM stuff. So think about it from this standpoint. I know a lot of people are hesitant to run ads to clients because you've been burned before, because you don't know the platforms, because there's different rules, because you want to stay on top of it, because the conversion rates are lower. There's a million different reasons. It's been really interesting to me to see, especially in the B2B space or in the ones where you have other professionals that you can refer to, running ads to find referral sources. So, you know, business lawyers running ads to um, general counsels about free resources on you to support them. And then when they have overflow work, they hire you. Estate planning attorneys running ads to financial advisors. Let's book for a coffee. Let's go hang out. You know, real estate attorneys running ads to a free training on the legalities of real estate in the state of Florida to title agents and realtors and mortgage brokers. Like there's a way to go about a lot of these things where you're truly advertising, but with the understanding that you're building referral relationships from the people that engage with that, not just directly clients. And that's been a fun way for a lot of people that have been old school for so long, especially during COVID, or especially now that COVID is hopefully, knock on wood, hopefully over, hopefully (laughs) endemic, but uh, not pandemic anymore to reconnect with people, you know, to run, like you were talking about a good post is going to get, you know, 30 likes across 2000 people. You could run ads to your own already existing list so they can see it. So they can see what's going on. So they can get the updates. So they can get the, you know, um, at Facebook, I think it sucked when it comes to inviting people to events. It used to be great, but now they get buried. But like you doing a post about an upcoming event and running it to your list already, and saying like, hey, I really want you to join me. I've invited you to this, but if you don't see that, I'm going to pay money for Facebook to show this to you. You know, come on over. Let's uh, see each other and catch up. There's a lot of different ways to use that advertising to jump on the way we used to do it, the way it's always been done, the old school approach, whatever you want to call it. Industry standard. That's my favorite. It, well, <laughs> yeah, industry standard. I, which is nice. When I hate you're building- that term. Well, it's nice when you're building a house and the industry standard is the one that will survive a 150 mile an hour hurricane. It's not nice when mm-hmm. you're growing a business and the industry standard is the one that is good enough to not work. Right, right. I just, I never like the term because everything's always industry standard until the next thing comes out and stops it from being industry standard. So uh, at any given point, your industry standard title can get usurped. So does that make anything really industry standard? <laughs> Well, it's, it's standard. It's just impermanently standard. Impermanently standard. Right, right. And so, you know, there's innovations all the time. I, I don't uh, subscribe to industry standard means it's the best. That's very true. Industry mm-hmm. standard, I think it's, it's the bare minimum of being okay. Um, right. All right. Awesome. So, all right. So for everybody listening and watching, um, we're going to get Thane's final like the wisdom biggest takeaway, but I do want to recap. So we're talking about Old school meets new school ways to use technology to get more referrals. We talked about it from using a CRM perspective. We talked about it from posting on social media to say top of mind with referral sources at scale. And we talked about it from the standpoint of advertising, either to build the relationship, maintain the relationship, go to an event, show up for coffee or lunch, whatever that's going to be. Those are three of our takeaways. I'm sure there are more. You can go on chat GPT and open AI type in, you know, what are some other ways to use technology to, uh, get more referrals. I'm sure we'll give you a hundred things. We'll have uh, AI topics later, but until then, for anybody who's been watching for the last uh, 50 something minutes, if they remember nothing that we talked about today, what would be your most important takeaway thing to help more lawyers, as many lawyers as possible, becoming the exhibit A of a successful attorney? Hmm. My most important takeaway from our conversation today would probably be to Um, don't be afraid of your technology, definitely use it to your advantage. Um, And the way that you can best use it to your advantage is just make sure that you pack it full of all the things that you think you're going to forget about. You know, when we're talking about this topic, um, if there's a place where you can store questions, even if that's just like a Google Doc, if there's a place where you can store a list full of questions that you always want to ask people, Um, that's a great way of leveraging technology. So you're not always having to remember what those questions are. Uh, It's just, we want to be very diligent and proactive about leveraging the technology at our disposal, whether that be, you know, a simple Google, you know, G Suite, Sheets, Slides, Docs, or, you know, getting a CRM built out 
uh, to really, really help you automate some of this stuff. We just got to make, I want to make sure that you are leveraging technology to its fullest potential for you. And obviously we are biased. We build out these systems for you, but don't take <laughs> right. our word for it. Because if you read Thomson Reuters state of small law firms, they will tell you that the money spent on implementing new technology is down, but that's down because so many people did it in 2020 and 2021 that that money is now being spent or even more than that is being spent on maximizing the use of the technology you already have. And so we are not going further away from technology. We're getting closer and closer to it, hopefully in an effort to build the grade A culture that uh, you know comes up in the Clio Trends report about the happier employees being at the tech forward firms and whatnot. So with that being said, anybody who is smart enough to want to continue to pick your brain, Thane, what's the best way for them to stay in touch with you? Uh, you can go ahead and add me on LinkedIn. That's always a great way. T-H-A-Y-N-E, last name Brown, like the color, Thane Brown. Or you can shoot me an email, Thane at LegallyUseMarketing.com. That's T-H-A-Y-N-E at Legal, E-A-S-E, Marketing.com. Or if you want to be less stalkery, but still pick Thane's brain, if you join our Solutions for Lawyers by Lawyers group or the Lawmatics unofficial group, Thane is constantly lurking's the wrong word because that's a weird <laughs> one is constantly there answering questions at like all hours of the day in a super helpful fashion so thank you for that i know it's brought a ton of free help to a bunch of people of course uh, of course <laughs> keep it up with that being said thank you all for everybody who took some time to watch and listen to this episode we'll see you back here next week for the next one with that have a great day everybody bye Thank you for listening to this episode of Exhibit A Attorneys. If you're interested in becoming the Exhibit A of Successful Attorney, please check us out at LegalEaseMarketing.com, E-A-S-E.